Interplanetary, they can't even stand up near me. Why kept went to November, but I stayed out to January. What you doing? Pushing the door, we never pulled you in. I was in the music department when you were true. Ashley, I want to thank you for participating in our series. Thank you for having me, bro. Uh, the series is titled Self-Made, uh, Self-Made Tastes Better, uh, and um, I'm fortunate because I get to sit down with, uh, with uh, whether it's artists or actors or athletes, people that uh, to me signify that ability to do things on their own. But what I like about your story is two things. One, where you've come from, and two, you've done and are doing so many different unique things. Mm. Um, so my first question is, what do you think it is in you uh, that makes you uh, self-made, that makes you kind of get up every day and want more? Um, I think it's, for me, it's a combination of two things, really. Probably more, but I, I will say these two things. Um, the relationship I had with my dad, which was kind of, you know, it was an up and down, pretty much non-existent relationship. Um, and the relationship I had with my mum. So I pretty much, you know, I watched my mum work three jobs, go to uni, um, fly to New York, buy me new clothes for school, come back. And sometimes I'd be like, she was literally like a superhero to me. But what she definitely installed in me was work ethic. So I've always known, I mean, even with my kids now, I've got like eight kids and that. A lot of them are lazy and I can't stand them. Yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, why don't you want to go to work? Why don't you want to do this and do that? Um, and I think it's because they haven't seen me work hard. I've been working hard, but they haven't seen me work hard. Um, and that's one thing that my mum did for me. So I, I believe anything I put my hand to, I would have given it 100%. I would have, you know, always prepped to, to win or to be successful in it. Um, and that could have been negative or positive. It's just the fact that she kind of guided me into into entertainment and into into acting and the arts. Um, yeah. Do, do you think uh, she? I, I you saw her work. Mm -hmm. You saw her doing things. Yeah, I saw her doing it. Yeah. So, and from your kids' perspective, they don't see the kind of the heavy lifting. No, no. They watch your show, but they don't see how you made it. They don't want to come to set spend hours in it. I mean, to be fair, no one wants to come to set. My manager doesn't want to. He'll come to set and be like, you know, I'm, this is boring. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're waiting around and the, what goes into it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, when, I, when, I, when I grew up with my mum, I literally, I had to watch her. I watched the struggle. I watched the pain. I watched her cry. I watched her laugh. I watched the bailiffs come and knock on the door. You know what I mean? I watched them take away her car. I watched her get it back. Did you appreciate her then, or did it take you years after to kind of see that? Um, yeah, I did appreciate her. I appreciated her 100%. What I didn't, I, I suppose at the time, what I didn't appreciate was her, what I felt was negativity. Yeah. So, you know, in her doing that and struggling so much, there were times where she felt like, you know, radio station, mm. why are you going there? Focus on your books. You're a black man. You've got to do 10 times better than a white man. This, that, whatever, and I'd be like, yeah. you know it's what I mean? Me. I'm doing this. Um, and you know, we had, we, we butt heads around that a lot of the time. So I suppose that's what I didn't appreciate was parts of her attitude or her philosophy. And I think maybe I was ahead of my time in the way I was thinking at that age. 
um, like mid 90s. Do you know what I mean? Going into the 2000s, I was kind of, I had an entrepreneur's mind. I was like, you know, I was very, I was part of a group, I was part of collectives, but I was very individual as well. Um, and I was doing something completely different to, to my peers at the time, um, which, has, um, which has helped me a lot. What did your father bring? My father brought um, rage, pain, hate, jealousy, <laughs> all of that stuff, um, all of that good stuff that you need as a businessman sometimes um, in order to kind of get deals through and, you know, I, it's just about, when I, I think when I was a lot younger, I was in my, my early teens to late teens, I was, I didn't know how to use that power. Yeah. Um, so I robbed people, I hurt people, I, I stole cars, I did the wrong things, I, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it took me down the wrong route and it was only when I, I learned how to, to harness that bad energy um, and make it good um, is when things started to happen for me. Was there, do you, is there a point in time where that happened? Where that kind of, it switched from how do you take advantage of those attributes versus uh, let them take advantage of you? Yeah, I'm going to prison. I think it was going to, going to jail. I've only been to prison once. I went to prison in 2001, I think. I remember now. Um, and I literally, I mean, I tell everyone this, and I know probably a lot of other people have been through it, but I literally sat in that prison, in that jail cell every day. I felt like, I'm not meant to be here. Yeah. No, no, this is not for me. And I kind of had people going, bruv, you know, you're going to come back, you know, and the statistics show that once you've been once, you always come back and this and that or whatever. And I was like, nah, this was a mistake. This was part of that, that bad energy that I had around me and, and not being able to use it properly. I know I'm powerful. I know I'm, I feel every day like, like I'm walking on air a lot of the time. Like, you know, this is not an ego thing. It's just like, I feel blessed. I feel like if you take out the gun now and you shoot me, it's gonna go around my head because I'm meant to be doing something. I'm meant to be here. So I don't take that for granted. And obviously I'm not gonna stand in front of a loaded gun. I'm gonna run. I'm just saying that now, but it's like, you know, metaphorically, I feel like whatever happens and whatever way it goes, I'm quite cool with, all right, I know it's gonna come back. Do you know what I mean? Have you always had that confidence? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But like I said, like I'm trying to, I think, like I'm trying to explain not very well now is that back then I didn't know it was like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I've analysed it now. I've worked it out. And there is somewhere I'm, I'm trying to get to. I'm going to get there. Um, a lot of people are busy themselves with which road, how, DMing me and asking me how they should do it and mm. this and that or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, you know, if you're going to get there, you're going to get there, bro. You know, all you have to do in the meantime is prepare yourself for when you do get there. Sharpen that sword, hone your craft. You know what I mean? Be, be, be prepared for it. So, so two questions. Would you change anything based on your past? Never. Never. So what do you, uh, give an example. I, I was in, in an interview with Fat Joe and I was asking him because I saw him sit down with Takashi 69 mm. uh, and uh, he was trying to help him. Uh, he was trying to share his stories, all the crap he went through, all the stuff that happened, and he just wasn't listening. Mm. Just wasn't listening. So, do you tell uh, your the people who look up to you advice? Do you do anything to help them, or try to? Yeah, but preaching is, 
you know, it's one of the worst things you can do, I suppose, especially in this day and age, man. We live in a world where, or in a time right now where perception, public perception of of yourself, of oneself, is more important than anything else, mm. especially amongst the youth. So I try not to, to preach. I do tell my story. I tell my story. Everything comes through my story, through how it was for me. If I, you know, I go into my, my, my drama school and I speak to the students, it's just about how I got somewhere. Mm. It's up to you what you take from it or what you don't. If you find it funny or interesting or not, it's up to you. But I'm never going to be like, you know, this is what you should do or whatever. On the first day, our students come into the school. We have like new classes starting or auditionees come in. I'm, I'm just like, you know, some of you are going to make it. Some of you aren't. Some of you are not going to be there at the end of this. And whoever's going to make it, you've already got the talent now. We're, we're not putting no motherboard inside your computer mm. for you to be an actor or be a star. It's, it's either we, in you or not. It's either in you or not. Yeah. Um, all we're going to do is act as a home somewhere to, to incubate, you know, your situation and to, you know, help help it grow, I suppose, in some sort of way. So, so in, in, you're, did you always imagine you'd be starting in music, doing something in music? No, I mean, if I'm honest with you, I never, I never understood what, um, what vehicle was going to catapult me to where I wanted to go. Um, I thought I, I thought it was going to be drugs in the beginning, mm. and that that didn't work out. That failed real quick. Um, and then music, obviously, and I had great success in music in in like the early two thousands. But there was still something about it. I still always knew whilst I was making music and whilst I was touring and in the charts and this and that, or whatever. There was something about it that didn't sit well with me. Um, funnily enough, it's going to sound really weird. But I felt like I couldn't be myself as a musician um, and as an actor, even though I'm playing different parts every day of my life, I feel more comfortable. Like I feel that I can actually, I can be myself more. But you're playing somebody else. Exactly. It's weird. Probably people won't understand it, but it's just my truth. So in the, in, in, in the environments that I'm in, when it comes to like working as an actor, um, being me is is more acceptable. Um, I feel like music, most people are fake. That's <laughs> just my opinion, you know. But you're playing. I find it I, I, ironic because you're playing somebody else. Playing someone. So when you're on the screen, so this is for me anyway. This is my. This is the way I, I look at it. Every character you see me play is me. It's just different parts of me. Mm. If I don't... I get it. If I don't make you see me, you don't know you're seeing me. Yeah. But if I don't make you see me, you're going to think I'm shit. Mm. Do you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Um, and that's pretty much what it is. So the minute I'm kind of... You know, the minute you step out of that... You can have an accent. You can be wearing a fake beard. You can be... You know, <laughs> wearing clothes that you wouldn't wear or have a fat pad on or this or that or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm saying to make someone believe you, um, it's about finding the truth in that in that part. And that truth can only come from what you, from what you're bringing from yourself. Was there anybody famous in your life that you, I want to do, I want to be him? 
It's like he was my inspiration. There's two people, I suppose, in my life that I've kind of looked at and said, I would like a bit of that. Will Smith mm. was one. And it was in the, the latter part of his career. I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say that because his career is still going strong, but when he did, I think it was Hancock. Mm. I didn't particularly like the movie too much. But at that moment, I realized that he was no longer considered a black actor. Mm -hmm. He was just an actor. Yeah. Like people no longer, they, you didn't see his color anymore when you watched him in movies. And that was kind of cemented for me by what he was getting paid, you know, how the world accepted him or whatever. And at that point I was like, you know, that's what I'm trying to get to. I don't want to make the same films as him. I don't want to make the same music as him. I don't want his, the same life as him. But I want that. I want people to see me like that. And my granddad. Mm. So when I was, I think like five or six years old, my granddad, um, it was like, you know, part of the Windrush era, came over from Jamaica. And, you know, at that point, Caribbean, Jamaican people pretty much built London Transport Service. And my granddad worked on the buses. And we have a bus, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called the Routemaster bus. It's the most iconic big red bus, but it's got like a, it doesn't have a door. And I used to walk to Peckham with my mum to go shopping. And my granddad would pull up on the bus <laughs> and I would always look at him and go, I'm going to be that. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know that it was, you know, he was just like a bus conductor sure. or whatever. But What did you think he was when you saw him? God. I thought he was the man. Because? Because for me, he just represented, I suppose, what it, looking back, I can see that it was, he was happy. Do you know what I mean? Um... It's one of the things that people, most people forget is to be happy yeah. in what you do. So yeah. everyone's kind of like, you know, I want to do better and I want to be better than that person or whatever. And you forget about actually what you've got and how brilliant it is when you look around you. So, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm victim and guilty of that sometimes. Um, but I, my, my granddad was a happy guy and he, he died shortly after that. He died from cancer shortly after that. And I remember it's a game deep or slightly weird, but true. That he he came to me a lot of times in like a ghost form. Mm. Um, literally, I mean, I, I kind of know that it was something was going down. So whether it was my mem my memories coming back or something like that, but I spent a lot of time in my bedroom lying down, and my door would open, and my granddad would come in. This is after he died, and he'd be like, "You're right, Mush." I'd be talking to me. I'd be just literally like laying on my bed, talk, like <laughs> listening to him speak. And I would say the stuff that he said to my mum after, like granddad said this to me and that or whatever, and she'd cry. Hmm. Like, How the hell do you know that? Or whatever. I mean, it's possible that I just heard shit and I sure. remember stuff you and take it, it was forward. in my head or whatever. But um, at that, you know, he kind of, he's always been immortalized kind of in my mind. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. As a person. Sure. Um, and someone I always looked up to for for just being a strong role so, model. How does one leave something you were good at and known for, music, behind to say, I'm going to go do something else? Uh, so, yeah, we can say that still. I mean, even though I did, I was acting before I did music. Um, 
but music was the first it was you know explosion sure. and where I kind of realized you know right, cool I'm out there and people know who I am um, but it was the transition from it was going to prison having that time to think realizing that I didn't really like what surrounded music I like making music but the politics and the the kind of people wanting you to be different and not be yourself and whatever I just felt I felt trapped so it was a kind of e an easy move for me. I came out of jail and the world had pretty much shunned me. The country had pretty much shunned me. I was the headline guy, the gun-toting gangster, the, the reason why people are dying in the UK from gun crime and all this and that. I became a recluse, I was depressed, smoking too much weed, drinking too much and, um, you know, wanted to give it all up, to be fair. And I was pretty much found again by uh, a writer, director, who kind of came to me and was pretty much at the time the only one that still had any kind of respect for who I was um, and said that he'd written a film for me. It was a film called... Who was that? His name was Saul Dib. He was like a documentary maker and he'd written his first feature film um, called Bullet Boy. And it was about a kid that had been to prison, that came out and wanted to change his life around. Had you met him before? No, never, never met him. He was him. a fan of yours or he just saw you for the part? I don't part. know whether he was a fan or, you know, but he was just like, I have you in mind for this part. Um, would you do it? And through gritted teeth and being reluctant and depressed, I was like, yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm cool, of course I'm going to do it. And if I tell you now, it was the hardest thing I ever did. I didn't understand actually what I was doing, which was brilliant. Um, I was shot at, I was all sorts of stuff making this movie because when we were filming it, the territorial wars that were going on through London, the, and I had Scotland Yard come into my house and going, you know, we have reason to believe someone's gonna attempt to take your life on set today and security giving me, um, you know, bulletproof vest to wear and whatever. It was the most unmotivational, you know, it was like, it was the saddest experience ever kind of making this movie. And I used to get up in the, I remember getting up in the morning and going, I don't want to do it. But I did it, I got through it. Um, and it changed my life, if I'm honest with you. And at that point I realized, you know what, this is the direction I- It's almost I like being reborn. Going yeah, through yeah, all, yeah. The, all the crap to get there and then yeah. coming out. 100%. So if I go from that to today, having your own production company, mm -hmm. uh, um, I know Top Boy's coming out again, yep. correct? Yep. Uh, my understanding, Drake is involved? Drake is involved. Drake revived it, if I'm honest with you. Gotta give him a lot of credit. I he had seen the show? He'd seen the show. He reached out to me and was like, show's amazing. When, when's it coming back on? I told him, it's not happening. He said, I'm not having that. Two years later, he came to us with a Netflix deal and was like, there you go. So he's, he's currently, he's an executive producer. When you got the call from him saying he's a fan of the show, what was that like? Oh, for me, it was, a, it was amazing. I, I, you know, I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm 36 going on 37. I'd never been part of this. I'm always trying to put good stuff on Instagram, but it's never really worked for me. So having Drake kind of post a picture of me, me wake up one morning and see my see Instagram you. followers go bang or whatever, it kind of, it was very inspirational. Um, and I appreciated it. And I appreciated that finally, you know, things that I was doing, was doing, was circulating and kind of going international rather than just national. So it was a good look. It's good to know that people are watching what you're doing. 
Um, so it's brilliant, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it to be coming back. It will be back this year. It's going to be on Netflix. We've got 10 episodes. Drake's not in it, but he's producing and producing um, with us. Um, and we've got a bigger and better cast, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a big thing. So Is the production company coming out with anything new coming up? My production yes. company? Yeah, so Slander, um, my production company, we're working on some great things right now. You know, up, up until this point, we are we're, we're we're infants in the game, meaning that we've never actually produced anything. Um, but everyone wants us right now. That's great. So you know, we have some really good content ideas, and we've got a, a really a really robust and and, and good slate. So um, we're in the process right now of making some some serious kind of financial deals that will kind of put us in the place that we need to. But be. I read, which I think is interesting. I read only one point five percent of all production is focused on, in the UK, is focused on minorities, urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what we do, but we, we, we're we doing it with a kind of difference in the fact that we, we're not focusing on the negative sure. sides of, of being part of an ethnic minority community. We're focusing on the positives. We're focusing on the people that came to this country and loved it. And I've not had a problem with it and I've enjoyed it. And we want to focus on celebrating those stories. So that's what we do. But keeping it real. Keeping it real. Yeah. At the same time, you know, there will always be stuff that surrounds that. But we kind of want to, the heart of our stories about people that have had good journeys here. Um, and I feel like, you know, the negative for us is usually focused on slightly too much. Yeah. And in order for us to get out of that and be able to tell different stories, um, you know, we need people, we need so slander. So what's your story the next five to 10 years? What do you see? Um, pretty much keep on pushing with the drama school, trying to, like I said, help and push other talent. I think that's one of the most important things for me and for anyone else who's coming afterwards. Um, I'm gonna get into directing heavily. I'm writing a lot now, um, conceptualizing a lot of um, TV shows and different ideas. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, at, at some point down the line, I'm sure you'll be thinking the same thing. There'll be some really good exit strategy where someone will come and give me like, you know, here's 500 million. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take I'll that. I'll be good. <laughs> Ashley, I appreciate it. You've been, you're, you've got a fantastic story to tell. Thank you. Um, you're truly self-made. You've been through it all. And uh, I wish you tremendous success, which... Uh, given your confidence, you know is going to come regardless of what I say. So, thank you very much. Cheers to you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It. Cheers thank to you. We throw abuses to our aces, trying to take away our oasis. If there's a problem, I'll erase it. I'm just trying to be evasive, yeah.